Hey, what's up? It's me, Alex. Before we get into the episode, it's with a heavy heart that we have been discussing and just reviewing the footage of what happened over in Maui. We're on Kauai. If you guys don't know, it's a couple islands over. Um, Maui um, has a city called Lahaina, and Lahaina once was Lucas saying, hey, by the way, once was the capital of Hawaii. And if you were to see it couple weeks ago versus today, it's completely unrecognizable. Um, families have lost loved ones. We're at a higher death count now than the last great natural disaster that came to Hawaii, which was Aniki in 1992, a big hurricane. Um, so this is huge. And we have been just praying and talking about, okay, God, like what, how can we step in and help? Um, with five kids, we can't just drop everything and go over there to help. We wish we could. Um, we were able to do a couple things around the island here, but we felt that one huge thing that we could do just, just to help the families who have lost loved ones, the people who are injured, the people who have lost their businesses, um, and the billions of dollars that were lost in the wildfire— um, we just thought maybe we could just do a little donation here. Um, YouTube has this option where you can connect to a certain nonprofit um, like the Maui United Way. Um, and so we can use our platform to drive traffic to their donations. And so there's a little button underneath this video um, and you can we're fundraising there. And when you give there, all the money goes to Maui United Way it does not go to Amen Podcasts. Um, but because we are a Hawaiian nonprofit, we just felt um, our little nonprofit can just do something to help give. And so we set a small goal of 3000 So if you know people um, in your circle, at your church or whatever, who have been talking about this um, and wondering how they can get involved, um, this is just a small way. Um, again, this is not going to Amen Podcast. This is going to Maui, the people affected by the fire. Um so yeah, I hope this um, gives you an opportunity to give. And if you can't give, then share the video, share this donation. Um, just I mean, you can even just Google it and find some blogs with some different ways to give. But as Christians, we have to remember God gave everything so that we um, could give our everything. And our everything doesn't necessarily mean empty your bank account, but it means give from a place that hurts. Um, give from a place that uh, says, okay, I give because God gave. And so, yeah, love you guys. Um, this is really heavy, but this is what we're here for. So um, love you. Let's get into the episode. Amen. Aloha and welcome to Amen Podcast, where we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to everyday life. I'm Lokalani, your host, and today my husband Alex is preaching about security. Not too long ago, we were driving the big van uh, that you guys so graciously helped us raise support for and through prayer um, and finances and stuff like that. And the kids are live and live and in action every time we jump in um, and there's plenty of room for the action so one particular day I was driving from Target back home and there's a what do they call it a two-way intersection when there's like a stop sign but only for one lane right so like the lane I was on had no stop stop uh, sign but I was crossing through an intersection they had a stop sign 
So um, the guy that was crossing in front of me, he thought it was just like a wait your turn and then you go if no one's around. So he blew through his stop sign and I was coming, you know, in this really big 12 passenger van. Uh, it's 12 or 15. 12. 12. And yeah. it's big. It's a big vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he was in a little tiny like Civic, Honda Civic type mm-hmm. car. Um, and the sheer fear on his face when he realized he blew through the stop sign and I was coming. Um, and I pumped the brakes slowly because I didn't want to like just, you know, hurt the kids' necks and their seatbelts. Um, and so I slowly pressed down the brakes and got really close to him. But I knew the whole time I wasn't going to hit him. And I, I mean... It was like I was looking at the, the moments of right before death. Like it was the, I was almost like scared to see him like that. It was so uh, disembobulating, like just to see someone's face like that. And I was just thinking as we prepared this message, how in moments like that, all of your security mm-hmm. go flying out the window. It doesn't matter how much you have or what you've done. In those few seconds before death, there is no security. And this goes for everyone. Every single one is going to experience seconds before they die. And in those seconds, it doesn't matter what you have or what you've done. All your, all your security goes flying out the window. So don't you see why it's so important that we talk about this today? Because Jesus is going to show us um, how he never found security in the world and always had security in God. He's going to show us how we how we can do that. Um, and most importantly, just like what happens if we don't. Um, but probably even more important than that, the beauty of what happens when we do find our security in God mm. um, and maybe what's keeping us from that. So let's get into it. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 22, ESV version. You want to read that for us? I'd love to. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Amen. This... Uh, passage is so famously called The Cost of Following Jesus. And there's all kinds of different series and books that's been written on these few verses. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to first talk about is why we need to find our security in God, um, why it's so hard for us to do that, and then how to actually do it. So as we look at the first couple verses, it says that, um, verse 18, well, I lost my spot. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around them, he gave orders to go to the other side. A scribe came up to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. So what probably happened here is a scribe, which is a religious leader, a spiritual leader, an influencer, you might say, followed Jesus to the other side of the lake. Um, It's called the Sea of Galilee, but it was really just a giant lake. And with that, he was saying, don't you see what I just did, Jesus? I followed you all the way here. I will follow you wherever you go. Aren't we so good at boasting about what we're going to do for God once we've already done a little bit? This guy has thinking that he's going to get on Jesus's good side because he followed him to the other side of the lake. That was a big journey, especially if he, you know, maybe he went on boat. We don't know. Maybe he went on foot. Either way, it was a big journey. And he was trying to prove himself to God, to Jesus, that look at what I've done. Now, that's not going to work. Jesus sees straight through that, which he often does. 
You see straight through because he doesn't put his security in man. He puts his security in God, the Father, and that's it. And so he sees right through our, you know, you know what. Now, I like what he says. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What he's saying is he's homeless. Jesus is homeless. He didn't make a home for himself when he lived here. He spent the night at different people's houses. And he mentions two types of animals, foxes and birds. And he's basically saying that it's natural for a fox to build a den. We don't have to teach uh, a fox to make a den. It just does. Instinctively, naturally, birds are the same way with nests. Mm -hmm. And we, as sinful humans, instinctively make our home, make our nest, make our den in this world. We get comfortable here. And not only do we get comfortable, we get really happy about the stuff that we have. Mm. The problem is the stuff that we have, our homes that we make for ourselves, our dens, our nests, they're fleeting. They break. They don't last. Uh, Insurance plans run out. Windows break. Um, Kids go number one on the carpet. There's all kinds of stuff that happens that makes... It's silly to put our security in the things of this world. They do not last. And so unless we learn how to put our security in other things, things that last forever, we are going to be up a creek without a paddle. It's going to be really bad for us. We're praying for our uh, family and our friends, not immediate family. I mean, like Christian family, human family um, that's in Maui right now experiencing the fires. Um, so think about them this week as you listen to this. And, you know, if you're listening to this on Sunday while you're at church, think about them, pray for them. They're go- this is like one of the biggest uh, natural disasters that's happened since Aniki in 1992, which was a huge uh, tsunami, right? Su- uh, not hurricane. Tsunami, hurricane, hurricane, sorry. Um, <laughs> on this island. On this island. And um, think about them. They are for certain thinking about their security. Mm. It's been ripped away from them in an evening. And so that is why it's so heavy for us to spend life putting our security in the things of this world. Now, here's the hard part. We know why we need to put our security in God, but the hard part is right here. It says, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Now, what that means is back then there was religious... Um, what do you call it? When you're like, oh, religious exemptions. There was exemptions from regular societal life, from work life, if you had to bury someone important to you. So specifically religiously, um, there was these things that you got to do, you know, in order to bury the dead. And so what he's saying is, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I'm sure you're just like every other rabbi and you'll just let me go bury my father take care of those situations. I'll be able to collect my inheritance and then come back and, you know, follow you later. I'm sure that's okay with you, right, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, I'm not that kind of rabbi. He later says, let the dead bury the dead. Now, what he's saying here is, I have authority over your priority. I have authority over religious priority. In the religiosity of the day, there was priority. Certain people were treated better Certain things were treated with more importance. Um, Certain places 
certain people groups. They had lots of priority. Jesus comes in and he squashes all that. And he says, I have authority over that because I'm going to fulfill the law, fulfill the law, not abolish the law, fulfill the law. And then I'm going to simplify it for you. Love God, love people. That's how simple it is now. So all the other man-made religious rules, I am above that, Jesus is saying. And so what Jesus is showing us here is the hard part about, about us finding our security in God is going to be our own insecurity. Because of our own insecurity and our fears, we reach out for two things, what we have and what we've done. And that's what these two examples are showing us. These guys are reaching out for, okay, what do I have? Jesus reads through them and says, I know what's really going on here. You want a home. I know what's really going on with you, uh, bury the dead guy. You want money. You want security. You want to, you want to um, hang your hat on what you have, both of you guys. Not only that, but you also want to hang your hat on what you've done. I followed you all the way across the lake. I have to go bury my, bury my father. Jesus is saying, I have authority over all this religious jargon, all this extra stuff, all this fluff that you guys are bringing to the table. I have authority, all that. And you, because of your insecurity, because we're fearful about how we look, we're fearful about how people see us. We're fearful that we don't measure up. We're fearful Mm -hmm. that we're not going to have enough for the future. Mm -hmm. And Jesus reads through all that and says, if you're going to follow me, you got to surrender your insecurities and you have to know what you're reaching for in your insecurities. As soon as you look at your insecurities long enough and see what things that you possess that you're reaching for and what things um, have you done that you're reaching for. Once you look at those things, then you'll never look at them the same. So just a couple of examples for me, what do I have? Uh, I have a, a really outgoing personality. Okay. Charisma, if you will. I also, um, what have I done? I've, built this little bit of an online following. On a bad day, my insecurities can help me, can uh, tempt me to lean all those things. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden I'm talking to people and I'm, um, what's it called? I'm not, uh, I am flattering. Mm-hmm. Now I'm using flattery, mm-hmm. which is manipulative mm-hmm. and it's abusive. Compliments are different. Complimenting, mm-hmm. Uh, is like looking, I saw Lecrae post about this. It's looking at what somebody already has that's plain for everyone to see that's public and it's complimenting on that and saying, wow, I want to bring attention to this public thing that I noticed about you. Flattery is kind of just pulling things out of thin air just to like get the person on your good side. And when you have a big personality and charisma, it's very easy to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's me what? Relying on what I have. Mm -hmm. And that's not good. That's sinful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, my, my insecurities are tempting me to depend and find security in what I have. What I've done does not matter to God. If there's no fruit and if there's no willingness. So what if I built this great platform? If I don't uh, have a will, real willingness in my heart for the love of Jesus and for the love of people. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what Paul says? I can speak in the tongues of angels. But if I have not love, it's nothing. And so what's the solution to this? 
the solution is we have to look at the next verse. It says, um, verse 22, Matthew chapter 8, And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. What he's saying is, those who are dead to the things of God, dead to the kingdom of God, they have their own business and own stuff that they got to work out and stuff that they got to do, you know, from day to day that they think is so important. The spiritual, spiritually dead is who he's talking to. And he's saying the spiritually dead, they can do dead things. They can bury the dead. They can do, um, I don't know, focus on their 401k, focus on getting their house, focus in on, uh, take birth control and all these different things that we don't find in scripture, but people just have mingled and mixed into Christianity and said, yeah, this is, this is Christianity. This is what we, like, this is responsibility. Um, this kind of stuff. And Jesus is saying, that's all burying the dead. Which activities in your life that are you participating in? That's really just burying the dead. Focusing on the things of the world, this earthly kingdom, and not the things of the kingdom, Jesus says, you're just burying the dead. That's all you're doing. If you, So what he's saying here is if you're making decisions based on what you have and what you can do, you're burying the dead. Think about that. Burying the body, the body's dead already. And you're spending, our world does this, right? You spend so much time on the funeral home the embalming stuff, like it's a, as soon as a person dies, everyone around them and the family gets stressed out because they have to do all these different arrangements for a dead body. The guy is gone already. Isn't it ridiculous? It's one thing to show respect to someone. It's mm -hmm. one, it's another thing to be burying the dead. Don't you see? And there's so many things in our life where we make decisions that are burying the dead. For example, I can't get married because I got to finish college. Says who? Can you guys not get married and do homework together and be broke in a little apartment together? And maybe you don't want to do that. Lokalani and I did that. It was great. Mm -hmm. There's decisions like I can't have kids until I own a house. Says who? Where do you find that in scripture? You're not being irresponsible by obeying God's will. And is it that hard to understand why uh, having unprotected sex is God's will in marriage? He's made these parts for a reason. He's made marriage for a reason. You aren't being irresponsible by using the God-given parts in the context of a covenant. And so look at decisions that you're making and ask yourself, am I making this decision based on possessions? Am I making this position based on obsessions? Am I making this position? Am I making this decision based on what I can get? or what I've done, or am I making this decision based on the cost of following Jesus? Am I making this decision based on the glory of God? How will God be glorified? God will be glorified if I obey him and I put him first and I live differently from the crowd. You see, these guys, though Jesus had just left the crowd in verse 18, the crowd had followed him. And this scribe and this one of these other disciples they were still part of the crowd. Now, that's crazy because the scribe was a religious, spiritual leader, but the disciple was someone that was already following Jesus. We don't know if he was one of the 12 or he was just one of the, you know, outside of the 12 that were still following Jesus at the time. We don't know. But here's someone that said, I'm following you. But first, let me go back and do this. Isn't that us? We start following Jesus and then we start getting uh, tangled up in the world's business. And all of a sudden now we're, Burying the dead. Mm -hmm. 
working on a job where we're burying the dead. We're in a relationship, but the relationship itself is not godly, and it's just burying the dead. We're spending more hours at the gym, more hours, I don't know, crocheting than we are uh, thinking about the things of God or even serving God. And I've had to ask myself, okay, Alex, is too much surfing burying the dead? Is too much jujitsu burying the dead? Am I making decisions on what I can get and what I could do, what I have and what I've done? And the solution is this. Jesus was the one that was dead and buried so we can stop burying the dead. Mm. Why did he go that far to experience that? Why is he on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? This morning I had to pray, God, Father, forgive me because I knew exactly what I did. Mm. And Jesus is up there saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's up there asking for forgiveness for not only our transgressions, our iniquities. Not only the stuff we knew we were doing bad, but the stuff that we didn't even know we were doing the wrong thing. Transgressions and iniquities. Mm -hmm. He's up there saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was laying down his life. And how's this? He was willing to do it. Mm -hmm. Willing to die for you. I think it was Paul who's saying most people will die for a good person, but no one's going to die for an evil person. Jesus did that. Me and you are evil. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to do it. He said, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, he's saying, I'm willing to do your will, even if it costs me my life. And not just uh, his physical life, but there was an eternal death that Jesus experienced on the cross. An eternity amount of hell squeezed into those hours on the cross. You and I will spend all of eternity in heaven trying to grasp or sitting, sitting, trying to grasp uh, and, and sitting in the presence of God's love and never be bored with it. Mm-hmm. It's always going to amaze us what he did. And he was dead and buried so that you can stop burying the dead. Mm-hmm. And then he rose again to show us that when we trust in him, when we put, the re- put to rest the burying the dead, when we bury that stuff, There's a resurrection for us. There's a peace and there's a freedom knowing, God, I'm not here as your child because of what I have or what I can do. Mm -hmm. I'm not um, in this earth constantly in the rat race of trying to look at what I have or what I can do. How much beauty I have, how much strength I have, how much how much power I have, how many followers I have, um, how good I am at this task, how many people um, acknowledge me and and look at me and all this kind of stuff. I'm not here because of any of that. The resurrection proves that if we when we get to a point where we trust in Jesus and we find our security in Him, mm-hmm. we'll be lifted out of that. Even if we find ourselves slipping back and going in there, going back to, to find our security in God through looking at it through the lenses of the cross, there is a promise of new life. Yes. Jesus shows us what, it ha- what happens to a person when they put their full security in God. Jesus is on the cross saying, into your hands I commit my spirit. What he's saying is, I've put my full security in God the Father. He had done nothing wrong. He was innocent. 
yet he laid down his life. And the Bible says that God raised him from the dead. He, he, I mean, he put his full security in God, trusting that God would raise him up. Abraham is a picture of this, taking Isaac to the top of the mountain to kill him because God asked him to. Why would Abraham kill his only begotten son? The one that God promised to him. It's because he had faith in everything God had promised. And he knew the only way for God to continue what he promised to come good on his, on his promise is he's got to resurrect Isaac. He's told me this is the promised child. He told me it wasn't Ishmael. He, knew, he told me it was Isaac. And so if God is going to continue to make me a father of many nations, he's going to have to raise Isaac. If I have to kill him, which is physically killing him, but also I'm probably going to kill my relationship with Isaac after I kill him. That's okay because I love Isaac. I love the father. I love what he's promised me. Whatever happens, I know he's going to resurrect my son. It's a picture of Jesus putting his full security in God. You will raise me. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, the psalmist says, as a, a prophecy over 900 years before that even happened to Jesus. He's showing us what it looks like. When you put your full security in God, the promise of the resurrection is you will raise to new life. You experience a new freedom, a new life, a new peace, a new understanding, a new knowledge, a new wisdom that this world has no knowledge about. And the second coming means this. We can't spend any more days putting our security in the wrong things. We have to be out in the streets, in the trenches, showing what it looks like to put your security in God and not the things of this world. People ask us, how many kids do you want to have? We say, we don't care how many kids we want to have. We don't know how many kids we want to have. Why? We've put our security in God, not in will we have enough money when our kids turn 17. Mm -hmm. What does your life look like? Does it look like, a, look like a person who's put their security in what they have or what they can do? Or does it look like a person who's put their security in Jesus? The second coming means... We don't have a lot of time in order to show the world that. We don't have a lot of time in order to preach the good news that you don't have to put your security in your stuff or in your accolades or in your what you can do. That is what we have to preach while Jesus is coming back because he's coming back any moment. And while we wait for him, experiencing the freedom of that, living in that, not living in insecurity, but living in the security of the Father's arms. That's the good news. That's what you've been given. Father, thank you so much for um, this message. We pray, God, that you would just let it sink deep into our hearts mm -hmm. and that we would um, look to the cross mm -hmm. and how Jesus uh, was dead and buried so we could stop burying the dead. Lord, give us power there. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that mm -hmm. is willing and ready to do your will in our lives. Lord, help us to um, align ourselves with that, God. But we thank you that you're your promise of sanctification, that you are already doing this work within us um, without us even wanting it at times, Lord. That's because you're so gracious. And uh, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a part of the episode called After the Amen, where we ask you a question to help you apply this message to your life. Our question today is, where are you finding your security? Where are you finding your security? I'll go first, as always. 
Uh, this is so good. <laughs> um, man, it, it obviously can differ, but I think what I was thinking of just specifically after hearing this message and really pondering it um, is like, sometimes I find my security in like how I measure up to others. Mm. And so, for example... When we first moved here, um, we had a pediatrician and um, she had her own private practice and then her husband, you know, helped her with it. And she was like, yeah, it's been, we've lived here for 10 years and rented and we finally purchased our home. Like it took 10 years for us to be able to afford a home on Kauai. And for me, I was like, oh, that's great because like, you're a doctor, we're in ministry, we never need to own a home and like... That's that's just the culture here. It's more of a renting place than a buying place. Well, come like, what, six years later, it's almost like everyone we know that is our close friend on island, like, now owns a house. Like, within the last year or two, um, friend after friend has, like, purchased their home, which, praise God, we're so thankful for, or thankful to God that they, and grateful to him that they were able to do that. But I can find myself like, instead mm-hmm. of just like, that's what the Lord is doing in their life and mm-hmm. he is doing something else in ours. I can be like, okay, um, we must not be, we must not be following him. Right. Yeah. Or he must not love us as much, or I must have done something wrong that he's not blessing us in this way. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, instead of finding my security and like, I trust that I'm doing your will. Like you call us to live righteously and that's what you want from us is righteousness and obedience. Mm. Um, And instead I'm like thinking, oh, because my life isn't looking like the people's lives around me. I am doing something wrong. (laughs) And so I think, and that is just one example of how I do that. You know, the house thing. And we have a lot of children, so I think it's we're always thinking about that. Like, yeah. Um, but I just love what David says, like, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. And we were at the beach today, and this, God bless him, this sweet uncle came up, and he was just like, wow, you have so many kids. And he was like, you know, you got to start now. Like, you got to make sure that their kids are expensive, children are expensive. You got to train them. You got to get them in the military. You got to, like, set up their, have enough money for college or whatever. <laughs> I'll set up, <laughs> set up their future now. And thankfully, um, like, I wasn't, I didn't, like, fall into fear yeah. or anything like that from that conversation. Um but I just love how that verse that I shared, it says mm. their seed, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. And so oftentimes I think we think, okay, like as Alex was saying, I can't do X, Y, and Z because my children, but like our life is truly a testimony of the Lord providing, yeah. even with having children and what looks to the world as crazy or foolish or unwise Mm -hmm. Um, and not just the world, but even, you know, some of our Christian brothers and sisters. And so um, there has been so much joy in living that way. And 
it's a constant fight. We have to constantly take up our cross. We have to constantly yeah. return to the feet of Jesus um, so that we don't give in to fear or temptation yeah. or anything that's trying to drive us away from his will and his plan for our life. But when we are on that narrow path and, and following him obediently, there truly is joy. It's not easy. Yeah. There's hard situations that come about, but it's a joyous life. And it is. It's when I feel the closest to the Lord yep. as well. Yeah, and I've been at, I've been noticing that whenever I find that joy leaving, it's because I'm making decisions based on um what I have and what I can do, mm-hmm. and not on the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm making decisions based on burying the dead and mm-hmm. not following Jesus um, mm-hmm. and abandoning that. And so. I've noticed that, like, I don't, as a Christian, you don't have to do anything that involves um, decision-making based on profit. Mm. That's what's crazy about being a Christian is you don't have to, you don't have to make any decisions based on this is going to be better for me, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go this way. Yeah. You can actually live a life putting God first, putting people first, and make decisions based on this is going to bring God glory and this is going to um, be an act of love towards people. You can live, you can, people who die and go to heaven, they've lived their whole life either trying to get to that point through the power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and then God's promise is perfecting them to that point where they have made decisions on and off, but eventually at the end of their life, they get to the point where they're Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And they're made holy. That's what the process of sanctification promises in the Bible and the letters of Paul. Um, and so I've been seeing in my life, okay, why am I anxious? Mm-hmm. Why am I, do I not have peace right now? It's okay. This decision that I'm making right now, it's because I'm thinking about profit, how it's going to mm-hmm. profit me and be better for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about people. Mm-hmm. So I spent like um, like an hour and a half today, like, doing AI-generated images for thumbnails on YouTube (laughs) through, like, you know, ChatGPT and MidJourney, all these AI generators, and just obsessing over thumbnails for YouTube. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not Mr. Beast. I'm Christian. Like, I don't have to follow that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to spend hours of my time over a thumbnail like Mr. Beast does because this is a Christian channel. Who cares if it's not a perfect thumbnail? It should just be simple. Mm. Um, And I realized that's what I was doing. I was, I'm making a decision based on profit, based on how it's going to be better for me. Um, And I'm not making a decision based on the simple and quiet life of following Jesus and Mm. leaving the burying the dead activities behind. That's good. So yeah, there's a freedom in that. And God bless you. Get to that point. And keep coming back to the cross so you can keep living like that because it's a free and amazing way to live. So mm-hmm. pray, that this is, pray that this encourages you. Yes. And we love you. And if you want to support us, amenpodcast.com. Um, but answer that question among yourselves in the comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Spotify and on Instagram, Amen Podcasts. Um, check out our other podcast, which is just called Alex Wilson by Amen Podcast. Um, it's the nuggets that don't make this main sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, with that said, we love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. And before we go, I just love how you 
kind of labeled it spiritual, well, the Bible dead, mm-hmm. but spiritually dead things. And I think mm. I really was pondering on that. You know, I've read this passage a lot of times, but mm. I didn't really think about that part a lot. And I love that. I think it's just something good to remember is the mm. spiritually dead things because a lot of things that are alive in the world um, are actually spiritually dead. Mm. But we think that this is life, you know, like these things in the world, this is true life because it's living and breathing and seems to be giving me life, but it's actually spiritually dead. And so that's, and good. that's just another cool lens. God, things. God calls spiritually dead what the world calls alive. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Yeah. To remember that. Mm. Like it. Like it. Love it. <laughs> We love you guys. Put it on a t-shirt. Just kidding. Love you guys, and we'll see you in the next one. Go out and be the church. Amen.